I wanted to go to Las Vegas at once. As your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. Tape recorder for special music. Get the hell out of L.A. for at least 48 hours. We're all set. If I could just get, get you John Hancock, you're on your way. Yeah. Listen, you're going to be real careful with this car, right? Oh, yeah, man. Let's give the boy a lift. We can't stop here. This is that country. down to brass tacks here man. how much for the ape fear and loathing in las vegas a terry gilliam film all right now i've got to go what's up lunch radio man radio transmission will start in five seconds from now five four three Welcome to Waffle Arm Podcast. What's that for? Because I've got my voice back. Ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not good. Uh, my name's Simon Meadows. And I'm uh, MC Kelly. And what are we doing today, Cal? Let's get straight on to we it. We are doing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But first, we have two items of interest. One, we have an email from Rob K. Uh, it's a short email. Auspicious occasion. And we also have an audio comment. Which I'm going to play to you live. Okay. What, what is this witchcraft? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I will apologise if I do cough, as I'm recovering from the flu. No, it's not. Just, uh, I'm just holding these balls. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those podcasts. Okay, Rob K, are you ready? Hello, Waffles. I hope i in time for show. How are you in the mad dog face, Kelly? I hope you is having a good yeah so far. My yeah... Is not so good so far, Waffles, as Gypsy ex-girlfriend is pregnant with oh. a baby in her. Not nicely put. And I asks out the lollipop lady, and she says no because she's too old for me. I goes to see Dad's armies at cinemas with Goosey and Insects Pete. And we Insect are... Pete? What a brilliant name that is! <laughs> That's brilliant. And we, o- and we only person sees it who is not 70 or older. Yeah. I must goes on the old people's get a free ice blast days or something. Um, I get a new dog it's Ginga with mad face so I calls it Kelly (laughs) you cheeky bastard (coughs) will you write a film with me as I has a good idea which is a bit likely for weapon 4 does you believe in ghosts I might go on a ghost walk waffles and get willies up me and scared (laughs) (coughs) oh dear mate so that was um well, I'll tell you what, if he's a fan of uh, Fear and Loathing, with yeah. that speech, I think it probably makes sense. This is bad country. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we have a audio comment from our good mate, Phil Hayes. Well, I, and, uh, I like the name. way he called it Phil and Loathing. 
As his comment. Oh, very clever. Very clever. Very clever. Okay, so you ready? Here we go. Morning, Kel. Hope you're both well. Um, I've just got up and I'm making myself a cup of tea. It's Phil Hayes here. I've just read on Facebook that you're covering fear and loathing in Las Vegas on Waffle On. And I thought I'd record a quick note for you because I was very excited to read that. I must say that I was really into Waffle On to start with and I was following it all the time. But you guys just produce such a large amount of material that I sort of got out of the habit of it. But I think having done this one, uh, this, having this one coming up, I'm going to be loading it up onto my new podcast reader on my iPhone, which is currently mm-hmm. filled with things like the TARDIS Eridatorum podcasts and Oi Spaceman and a lot of Doctor Who stuff and uh, Waffle On will be nestling in there and I'll be able to listen to it on my iPhone, fit it into the day in the cracks, you know, when you're driving and things like that. Um, and that's the same device that I'm recording this on, so I'll be glad to get back into the Waffle On vibe. And I was really pleased, like I said, to hear that you're covering Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, and that's not necessarily because I think it's a brilliant film, because I don't. I think there are some really serious flaws with it but because I love the writing of Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, so just forgive me for a bit of splashing in the background. I'm just making myself a cup of tea. And uh, I got a bit of a cold as well, a little bit of a sniffle there. But I just love the writing of Hunter S. Thompson. And the thing I love about it is the fact that it's so real. And that is probably a slightly odd thing to say about something that's so kind of full of strange characters, strange situations, so colourful and disturbed. But actually, if you look at the writing itself, it is incredibly real. And if you read the interviews with him, you get this real sense of a guy who was a writer, he was a journalist. I think people focus too much on the drug side, the drink side, the violence. And obviously, yes, all of that is there. But you've got to distinguish the fact that Raoul Duke is a character and Huntress Thompson is a real person. Obviously, they are the same person. Raoul Duke was a pseudonym that he adopted so that he could kind of sign into hotels without a credit card. And there's Skip, which obviously is something he does in Fear and Loathing, leaving a large bill behind him. And he writes quite movingly about how paranoid he was when he was trying to leave the hotel and, you know, drive down that only road out of Las Vegas back to Los Angeles in a bright red car, how paranoid he was about the uh, the police catching him and all that. Um, but it's interesting because I don't think this is necessarily... The film is not necessarily accurate. I think if you go back to the book, you get a greater sense of what's really going on there and the fact that he is on a story and that he does get a story out of it at the end of the day. Um, I mean, he finds his own way of doing it. It's gonzo journalism where he puts himself in the story and obviously... Rolling Stone magazine, they weren't necessarily pleased with what they got to start with, but they turned it into something that was a great front-page story and then got published as as a book. Uh, People have never been quite sure whether to put it in the fiction or non-fiction journalism section. Um, And then, obviously, you know, films, and there's a massive following over the years. Uh, But, in a way, it's interesting for me, so I see Terry Gilliam, who's obviously got such an established track record, coming over to Hunter S. Thompson's site and making a film like this, and picking up some of the visual cues from from the illustrations that were in the original book of Fear and Loathing, um, which weren't Gilliam's illustrations, and how he's using a slightly different visual style and stuff like that. But it's interesting, if you could, this is, I mean, this is a film, it, it is a film, but if you compare it to another film that was made in the late 70s, uh, Where the Buffalo Roam, which starred uh, Bill Murray as Hunter S. Thompson. It's interesting because it's, that's a lot more about the writing. You get a much greater sense of who he is and the work he was doing. Um, and that goes on and on. But the problem with that is that it was put together by a, a director who didn't really know what he's doing. I mean, the great thing, obviously, is Gilliam does know what he's doing, but he ends up with a film that doesn't quite suit Hunter interest Thompson that well. It, for me, it's really interesting if you go back to the original novel and you look at the, the opening page, the dedication, after the acknowledgements and all that stuff, there's a quote from uh, Samuel Johnson, and it says, He who makes a beast of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. And I think people often look at the beastly character of Raoul Duke and get focused on that and forget that actually Huntress Thompson was still a man at the end of the day. Um, and actually, that was something that Huntress Thompson in later life struggled with, I think. I mean, certainly I know that he was very upset by Gary Trudeau using his likeness in the Doonesbury cartoon as Uncle Duke. But I guess that's one of the... He said, you know, I don't listen to it, I don't read cartoons, I'm not interested in it. He really reacted against that, that characterisation of him, that caricature of him. But that's the thing, you know, 
if you do make yourself into a larger-than-life figure, people are going to use it, and you lose control over it. But at the end of the day, Hunter S. Thompson was a man. He wasn't a beast. And I think if you read through, if you read between the lines, if you look deeper into the film, you do actually start to see that, where obviously the film is just there's such a lot on the surface that it's very easy to focus on that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about it, because, like I say, even though... I don't necessarily think it's the best film in the world. I think there are some serious flaws with it. Um, it is interesting, and Hunter S. Thompson was very involved with it, and there's no doubt that Johnny Depp and Hunter S. Thompson... Johnny Depp not only went a long way to getting into that role, I mean, you know, he shaved his head, he went from being this kind of very attractive heartthrob character into something much different, um, and he did keep in contact with Hunter S. Thompson, and after Hunter's death... Um, you know, he was involved in the, the plan to shoot Hunter S. Thompson's ashes out of a giant cannon into the sky. And he was around Owl Creek, um, you know, up in the Rocky Mountains where Hunter S. Thompson lived for a long time afterwards. Um, and, you know, that, that's dedication. And, you know, I wouldn't say the film shouldn't have been made because I think it's an important addition to the canon of Hunter S. Thompson's work. But it really does come down to that thing of, you know, what's a book and what's a film? And there's an interesting Horizon documentary about Ralph Steadman, the illustrator from the original Fear and Loathing book, who Gilliam took some of the stylistic inspiration from, going back over to meet Hunter S. Thompson years after he did this. And there's a great scene where Hunter's looking at the film cameras that the Horizon documentary crew are using. And he's obviously an intelligent man. He's fascinated by the process as a filmmaking, but he says, he says, you know, you couldn't take this into a place. Once you take it in somewhere, it changes what you see. The presence of the camera affects things. Now, I'm not saying this film is a documentary. What I am saying is that the fact you have to go through a production process, casting, writing, production, all of that, changes it again. Whereas Hunter S. Thompson was going in somewhere with a notepad, with a pen, sometimes just with himself, and then write, scribbling it on napkins and things like that. And that was his way of capturing what was really going on. I mean, he put himself in the picture. He was gonzo. That's what it's about. It's about the journalist acknowledging that he is a presence and that there is no such thing as independent neutrality you know everything you see is affected by you seeing it and that's what Hunter S. Thompson was getting at so it's interesting that you know you've got all the way through this process of it being his writing um, Stedman's illustrations and then Gilliam's production and the acting and the music and, and all of that and it changes it from being something it doesn't quite feel real it didn't quite get to where it wants to be but it's certainly more successful than where the buffalo roamed which is a problem because the director there didn't really know what he was doing so he would shot he would do too much coverage he would shoot each scene six seven eight times and it just kills it there's no life in it there's certainly life in this film. It may not be what Hunter S. Thompson intended in the original book, but it's alive and it's got a sense of vibe to it. And um, and yeah, it's an enjoyable film. And uh, you know, I will have another look at it on the back of the Waffle On podcast, and I'd love to hear what you guys are saying. So thanks for much, and I do appreciate that I have waffled on, and my cup of tea is now ready. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to drink my cup of tea. Thanks, guys. Hmm, there we go. Very good. Very, 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 very good. Should we... Well, that should it's be better. better. <laughs> it's better. What are you doing? Yeah, I kind of wish I'd actually played that email um, after we'd done the opening bit because there's a lot to bring on now. I think that the whole point with um, uh, with Ralph Steadman's very important as well because I think the only other way... Because uh, Ralph Steadman... They was actually going to do a film of Fear and Loathing based on Ralph Steadman's art. It wasn't going to be Ralph Steadman doing the drawings. It was going to be somebody else contracted out to do it. And I think the only other way to actually nail Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas... Uh, although I think this... I think I mean, I borrowed the book off you before. I don't know if you've read it a few yeah. times. Um, would have been to do an animated version of oh, it. Yeah, it's I not... Think. It's unfilmable. Yeah. Well, there you go. So is Lord of the Rings. Uh, it, you, you know, <laughs> it's just an interpret. I can understand what Bill's saying there mm. because, uh, you know, if you're, if I think if you're a Hunter fan before you saw the film. Now, were you a Hunter fan before you saw the film? No. Well, mm. I said my Hunter obsession's only been the last two years. Right. Uh, if something happened to me, I was on holiday. I had the book by mistake, and I started Hang reading. On. Did I borrow the book off Kev then? Off Kev, off yeah. Kev? Oh, I read okay. the book when I was on holiday, and it, it was like I was on a plane. I thought I bought the wrong book. I read it, and it. It does spark with me, and I've become obsessive about them. Yeah. When I first saw the film in the 90s, I hated it. 
Because I remember coming out, I mean, I saw it with Die, I'm like, Die. Yeah. And I said, oh, what do you want to watch a film about people doing drugs? Because that's all you can see when you don't know what it's all about. Yeah. When I read the book and watched it again, you're thinking, no, the, the drugs is in there for a reason. And we've been talking about this for the last few yeah. days. It's mm-hmm. in there for a reason. But I don't want to jump into that straight away because we're gonna as we're going through the thing. It, yeah, but we'll go for the we'll go for it, the actors, It's right. pretty unfilmable, so <coughs> you know, like I said, with the Buffalo Rome, you know, brilliant hunter, but the rest of the film is poor. But he's a brilliant Bill Murray. Mm. He's the best there's ever been a hunter. Do you think he's better than Johnny? Yeah, Depp? oh yeah, oh, yeah. Really? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched yeah. Uh, I watched an interview last night. Uh, in fact, I watched three interviews. I watched a, a Letterman interview, uh, a guy who I don't know. Uh, but he'd been trying to get Hunter on for for, for, for years, I think. And there was a, a film into film 2000 something um, uh, program that was on. But the interview that I watched, which wasn't the Letterman one, uh, I, I was so focused on how Hunter S. Thompson spoke. Because uh, he, so he was sitting, it was uh, one of those so rare usual, occasions where so he you, sat there normally uh, without kind of like selling anything. He was just sitting there. Yeah, you've seen his book actually, he was selling. Um, uh, was he feeling that he's a biographer? How was it called? Kingdom um, of Heaven. No. Kingdom of Fear, I should say, Kingdom of Fear. You Go, think it was that one? Kingdom of a big book. Yes, yeah, his last book, that his one. His last yeah. book. And you know what? I mean, Johnny Depp nailed his accent. Oh, not so good. He did didn't they? Yeah, so. and, and also his mannerisms when he was talking was pretty bang on, I think. Although I want to have turned around and said that if you've seen any, any other actor acting like him, you know, he would punch him. <laughs> so I tell you, let's, let's do the yeah. opening. Uh, as Phil rightly turned around and says, this was directed and also co written. By Terry Gilliam. Um, the screenplay was, was done uh, also by Alex Cox, of course, who did the original screenplay for this. And then Alex Cox dropped out of filming and Gilliam took over. Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is almost like a, a, a staple of Gilliam filmmaking, I think. I love the fact <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think uh, it's funny because I think Gilliam is, is, is what I'd class as a modern day auteur in filmmaking. Where the fact that he picks films which are unfilmable to his detriment. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, how many times has he been trying to make the island of Dr. Moreau? It's, it's, it's you know. It's, it's like I said, I think Teddy Gilliam is very much to me like Tim Burton, where a lot, he's done some amazing films, but also a lot of films that are not that great. Yeah, I uh, think it's also, I think, well, Gilliam does, Gilliam does Gilliam films, he does films. For him, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, and the studio doesn't like that. Studio likes you to make films to make them money. Well, well business, uh, uh, yeah, sure, business. Uh, and Terry Gilliam makes. It. I mean, you watch Brazil, and I, I, I was a big fan of Brazil back in in the early nineties, late eighties even. I was a big fan of it at school, and I had it on VHS, and I, I bought, I've got the Criterion edition with the oh, six yeah, different the, things yeah. on it. And I watched it, and you know what? It's a hard film to watch oh. because it's very grim. I mean, it's a real grim film, but which Michael is unusual Mann, for him, isn't it? I think that's it's the darkest. Well, well, no, Twelve Monkeys is actually it's quite yeah, dark. Yeah. Twelve Monkeys film, is, isn't it? It's really dark. But I think what makes Brazil dark again, like we're going William yeah. Daniel. But I mean, what makes Brazil so dark is the fact that the evil character in that, the most disturbing character in that, is Michael Palin, mm. who you don't want to be disturbing. But that's what Gilliam does really well. And the same as well when you think about it, like Twelve Monkeys and also to a certain degree Jabberwocky yeah, is yeah. very much like that, you know. I mean, and none of his films have actually been commercially successful think, apart from possibly Fisher King. I think Fisher King was his probably biggest breakout film, weren't he? I think the so. The last yeah. few years, his, his films have just sort of come and gone, haven't they? Yeah, come and gone, nothing's really enough. Which is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, because I've not really jumped out and thought, right, well, I really want to go and see. I'm going off. It was all, it's good to see Gilliam film, weren't it? Ah, yeah. But if, yeah. you know, when 12 Monkeys out, all right, everyone get it. But it's like, then, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just another film. You sort of know now what it's going to look like, mm. and you know who's going to be in it, and you know what it's going to be about. And this is my problem with Tim Burton, isn't it? You yeah, know a Tim Burton it's film. It's going to have Helen Bonacar. Yeah, and it's become a. I think that's what happens with the idea of an auteur. And I like the idea of an auteur, but I, prefer, I generally, I generally <coughs> prefer like a director like um, uh, uh, John Borman, yeah. who can do everything. Mm. He can do a Hell in the Pacific, and he can also do like a, you know, he can do a bit of everything. And I think, you know, but for this film, I think it's perfect. I think it's, a, I think it's the best director. Well, especially as well, because he's completely teetotal. Yeah. Well, drug-wise, he never did drugs. Uh, so well, that's what's good about this film. I think it would be easy to give some... Well, that's what he says. In the, oh. in, like, Terry Gilliam in the late 60s, have you not seen his cartoons? Are you telling yeah, me he was smoking something? Yeah, 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 I know, yeah, yeah. Of course, I was all at it, the Python team. was all at it, yeah, yeah. you know. And I mean, not only... Do, you know, yeah, yeah, team, yeah, I mean, yeah. They weren't, they weren't doing anything. I mean, John Cleese was... I don't think John Cleese and, and Chapman, let's face it, was just an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was released on May the 22nd, 1998, uh, production company of Rhino Films. Um, its budget was 
obviously only grows ten point six million. It's made its money back because it's classed now as a you know as a cult. Classic. It's a cult classic, isn't it? Uh, I was directed by Terence Vance Gilliam. Twenty uh, second of November, nineteen forty. He was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he and also starred. Let's go straight into his starring. You know, he's been years active. Nineteen sixty seven. Terry Gilliam has. Yeah. He's married to, this, married to his wife since seventy three. Uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Let's face it. The man never ages. Um, yeah. He's almost like a pickled version of himself. No, now, it, he's, it, that, a, he's one of these people. He was just born with it, weren't he? He was. Looks hair super coolness. His hair looks good. His <laughs> yeah, skin tone I mean, looks good. It's like that advert when he's in the with the aftershave. And he's yeah. driving. Like, how cool he's looking. That. You think he's fifty two? No. Was he? Was it? Um, was he in Donny Brasco? Yeah. yeah. I think that's when he hasn't changed. He sort of got to, no, because, to about 40, and that's it. He yeah. stayed there now, and he's got no wrinkles. No. Nothing, has he? You know, maybe he's had a bit, I can't imagine he's had Botox. I can't, he's not that kind of person, is he? Oh, you don't know. I suppose he could have had a bit of, I think the, I think yeah, the fact is, like, heard probably, uh, he probably takes the wrinkles out of his skin. <laughs> and Vanessa Parody, I'm sure, has helped. He's the only person in the world, he gets done by us about anything, because I think, oh, I don't know, I'll marry Amber Heard instead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can't be bad, can it? Yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp, born John Christopher Depp II on June 9th, 1963. He's 10 years older than us. Oh, what a bastard. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he married to Lorianne Allison in 1983 to And uh, he was partner with Vanessa Paradis, 1982 to 2012. And now he's with Amber Heard, who got married to last year. He is, of course, an actor... A uh, singer, a guitarist, a bass guitarist, <laughs> a keyboardist, a pianist, and a drummer. He's a nothing this arsehole can't do. <laughs> he's one of them bloody people, isn't he? He is, isn't he? And but he's not, no, he's not that. As well as all that, I like the way he's into cool things. He's into what cool he things loves, well. he loves, doesn't he? He yeah, really I mean, likes. He, again, he was another one of these people who could have gone seriously off the rails when he owned the Viper Room Club. And of course, he, he owned it with, uh, with the Phoenix, sadly passed away. Nothing to do with him, no. uh, unfortunately, but of course you do get tagged with those kind of things. I think it was Vanessa Parody who, of course, nailed him down. I know, think he, he was in that scene. I think he was in uh, doing all that, yeah, doing a lot yeah, of drugs yeah, and yeah, stuff. No, but I think he realised that, you know, after seeing... Live Phoenix. It was, like, you know, it was a complete fake anyway. Well, I don't do drugs, I don't eat meat. And what did he do? Loads of drugs, it? loads of meat. Lo- loads he's of bacon. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think, just to the bacon. I think he saw that as like, oh, they're basically just empty people. Well, he was, I want to be, I want to do, I want to be something more than just a pretty yeah, boy, didn't they? I, I think it was a bit of a wake-up cry, a little bit like what Robin Williams had when, uh, when John Belushi Yeah, John Belushi, yeah, yeah. I think that was that. And, of course, well, obviously, you know, yeah. also, we just Robin, uh, Robin Williams. Um, the only other main actor in this, uh, I will read out the others, uh, of course, is Benicio Del Toro, uh, who's, uh, who's, who's, <laughs> he's younger than Johnny Depp. I know. <laughs> uh, Benito Monsalato Rafael del Tolo Sanchez. What? Born February 19, 1967, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Now, uh, for me, uh, Benito del Tolo will always be um, your man in uh, uh, License to Kill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, most oh, yeah, yeah. horrible little villain going. Well, with me, it's always uh, usual suspects in it, but he can't speak. Oh, man. You know what? We have a, to do usual suspects. It's a forgot. You know, I think it's a really forgotten about film. I do. I, I it's like a it. classic. I, Apart I think, from people who say, "Yeah, I guess that." No, yeah, you, you guessed it. No, you didn't you know it. it. You didn't know it. And I'll tell you the reason why I think Usual Suspects has fallen off the radar a little bit is because it is one of those films where once you've seen it, yeah, you know, that is true. Ending, there's nothing to watch out for. But I think once you leave it such a long time, I mean, that was '96 or something yeah. like that. I think when you when you've watched it, I mean, I haven't seen that since we saw it at the cinema. Yeah, and. I mean, one, you know, Kaiser Soze, Kevin Spacey, he was the first time I really kind of knew Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah, but if he'd been around, but I'd never knew him. The trouble is because, I mean, had he done seven at that point? I think he had done seven, hadn't he? Yeah, but he's a small part in that, right? Isn't that at the end, isn't he? He plays John Doe in that. And then, of course, he did American Beauty, which, of course, was his read all kind of growing up back. Yeah, yeah. Um, He did that film with Jack Lemmon as well, with a lot of car sellers, that sort of quite thing. I can't remember So I think going back and watching that now would be really good, because you can look at all the the intricate details and that in that film. But what a great cast. Stephen Baldwin from Before He Found the Lord. Uh, Gabriel Burns in it. Amazing, yeah. Your man, Kenny Pollock, is in it. Pete Postlefite. Pete Postlefite is in it as well. Yeah, that's a cracking film. Yeah, so he's been active since 1985. Other people to turn up in this film... Uh, Toby Maguire in a very strange uh, uh, and he's wearing a wig in this apparently because he refused to cut his hair in the second that's why his hair looks different in the end I, I thought that you know yeah so because he, he apparently changed his haircut um, Ellen Birkin plays a waitress in North Star, uh, Star Cafe uh, wearing a false bum 
Oh, he's just got quite a big bum in that. Just quite it? a big bum, actually. Man, yeah. uh, Gary Boosie is the highway patrolman. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Christina Lucci as Lucy. Yeah. Mark Harmon as the magazine reporter. Uh, Cameron Diaz as the blonde TV reporter. Pen Juliette as the carny talker. He makes up a, a, a little bit now. Uh, Flea, of course, turns yeah. up as the hippie. It's a funny bit. Um, Debbie Reynolds voice only as herself. Is that, it's actually her singing in there, yeah. That little like, bit where it's only a little tiny bit, yeah, and that's that quite amazing, isn't it? And apparently that's because um, Gilliam is friends with, uh, with uh, of course, Carrie Fisher, and it's her mum. So. Yeah, uh, Vern Troyer is yeah, uh, the small waiter, yeah. is in that. And uh, the one person who's in this who. I'm really interested in because he doesn't seem to change. You're talking about Harry Dean Stanton. I'm talking about Harry Dean Stanton. Of course. Harry, Harry Dean Stanton was in that film I was talking to you the other day about Up Perry Stanton with, with like, Kelsey Grammer. I'm sure it's like been an old drunken thing forever and he's never changed. Because he's about 80 odd, isn't he? And he's also in the Avengers as well. Where Do you know the interesting why he's in that bit? Because the, one of the most sought after things in Hunter World yes. was in the 1970s that did uh, a spoken word album with a lot of cast doing the book. Oh, right, okay. And Harry Dean Stanton plays Hunter on this record. Ooh. You can't find it for love or money. Really? They said there was only a thousand copies made at the time. And it's it's like, I know, there must be, so I bet you a lot, Bill, he sounds like Hunter fan, he might have some version of it. I think you can get like a CD version of it. But I've been searching for this and you can't get it, but that's why he's in it for. Oh, wow. There you go. Oh, I like mm. it. Nice mm. one. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson also does make a brief cameo in the film while Duke has a flashback from the South bit, I love that bit. <laughs> yeah. There he goes, uh, <laughs> yeah, the music club in The Matrix where Thompson can be seen sitting at the table as Depp walks by narrating his inner monologue. And there I was, Mother of God, there I am, <laughs> holy fuck, clearly I was a victim of the drug explosion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was a good impression. Because <laughs> that's how he spoke of that, really on, on voice. I like the way as well that he speaks in the kind of thing where he says, uh, yeah man, uh, it's like, and we like when the guy who's on the trial at the beginning of this podcast, where he turns around and he goes, I'm just going to need your, Hanca- uh, your John Hancock on here, you can look after the film, yeah, absolutely man. And he just reverses <laughs> the car back. Yeah, 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 I love that bit, yeah. Uh, now I've gone, I've gone through and just made quick notes so if I go through this bit if you can jump in because you know more about this film than me and you, you, this is kind of your baby I love the beginning bit where they're driving along uh, uh, to Las Vegas in that car which of course yeah uh, yeah, well that's the that's his original, original car that's like he had two cars mm. right his two cars were, was uh, the big red shark yeah. and the blue whale you don't see the blue whale but in the book no. he's got the blue whale that's what that white car is they couldn't get that car so they yeah, just, well, destroy that car don't they yeah, yeah. so they just made him a copy but that red car was Hunter's car so was it his, was his car at the, at the time of filming was it yeah it was his car he's still got his, uh, like, uh, his wife at the time before he died in Nita mm. still got all his cars oh right yeah yeah it. like I said my dream he's going he's going to Colorado and going to Woody Creek because you know if you knock on the door she'll show you around his house and shows you stuff oh really does it to loads of people because that's the way he was it's his house he let you in oh, see right. this idea that he was a scary thing he wasn't he was only scary if you're a reactionary if you're a nice person or you're interested in listening to what he's going to say don't judge him for being a drug addict because drug you always got to remember Hunter he was a he was a functioning drug addict yeah. it weren't just a laugh yeah. and it, it, you know this bit, like we've said this film is not an endorsement of drugs no, anybody watches this film and goes oh that, that looks fun it's a little bit like do you think it's a little bit like ironically as well with Las Vegas and he's leaving Las Vegas where I don't understand why anybody would want to drink to and we had film. friends who wanted a drinking game with that and thinking do you not get it? No. I, I mean, don't even I, think I, we've known a noise a pro drink no, film. I, which is funny because I always You used to think that me, didn't yeah. you? Yeah and I've, I've tried it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the reason why I don't anymore. The thing is I think we've with now I think because it's a little bit more socially acceptable with that because that that, that, that dinner tables a lot of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're in a pub and so they're ordering like two pints of cider, ice and the cider, and you know, and that now because ice and the cider is, 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 a, is, a, is a well-known thing. I think it's a little bit more acceptable to yeah. do with with now and I because it's in a pub, it's a social event kind of stuff. Yeah, but Obviously, you could not with now. With now is not a heroic figure in that, is it? No, Marwood's a Harwood. Yeah, like, yeah. Marwood is the, the hero in that whole thing, and even he's not a nicer person. No, but no, with now is a very sad case of. Oh, that's it. You think he's drinking? And you feel he's sorry thinking, for him. He's a, what is an alcoholic? Oh, he's it? a massive alcoholic, yeah, and, yeah. He's not, and he's he's not also really. Um, uh, he's not social with it because I mean he's alcoholism. Oh, it becomes horrible, and he yeah, he does. He's a nasty piece of work. Yeah, you know? and yeah. I think that's what they, with these kind of films, who people don't, oh, I don't know what you feel about drinking drugs. Now that's not the point. 
No, there's not. I mean, we've been talking about this quite a lot. We will yeah. get when we get to the bits when we talk about it. Yeah, because I mean, when he opens up in the driving along and and he turns around, so I can't quite remember what he says. He started to kick in. No, because uh, I'm feeling quite a lot. Yeah, we take over because I'm feeling kind of lightheaded. Yeah, and then you, see, you start seeing all the bats in the air. And he's yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see bats. Yeah, and yeah. then he pulls over and he opens his boot and he's got like that, a, all that, that salt and pepper shaker, <laughs> cocaine, half a half a case of rum. Uh, whiskey, you've got your Shivas and that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also got like uh, a crate of beer, which I quite like as well. The fact oh, that, you know, there's a beer. He loved, you know, he used to drink beer non stop. Yeah. His favourite beer was, you can't get it over here, but there's a beer in America, I'm sure you get America, called Colt 45. Yeah. That was his beer, and he used to drink it for breakfast. Oh, really? <laughs> oh no, you're not. Because to him, it was like drinking water. Yeah. He said, it, when, he needed, when he needed to get dehydrated, he'd drink a beer. <laughs> oh, that's. <laughs> That's someone though. We were serious drinking drug problem. You don't remember that. <laughs> uh, now they pick up the hitchhiker, Tommy Ryan. It's actually at this point where um, uh, his attorney, who's called, remember the name of it? Well, in that, when it's Dr. Gonzo. Dr. Gonzo. But really, it's Georgia Costa, in it? Because So that was the thing, because he's Samoan in this, but he's Mexican. Yeah. That was your, because like I said, I've t- like I said, them two, Georgia Costa and Vingy, had a very, very strange relationship. They generally hated each other. Right. But. They were very good together at with drink and drugs. Yeah. Now, I, there is a really good book called Gonzo, all about this, and the picture of George Acosta sounds scary. Yeah. He'd be walking oh, around... I think he's scary in this film. Oh, he'd be, he used to freebase cocaine all the while. That's where he got Hunter into coke. He'd be freebasing cocaine, then pull away, and then vomit blood. Oh. And he'd be doing this all day and all night with a wife and kid. Okay. Hunter... Was the stable one? Yeah. Now that says and you it, see that. Or you see, I think you, you do. See that you the see film, that that yeah. he was scary. Mm. Uh, he was actually quite an interesting person because he went for mayor of New, uh, mayor of LA in uh, in nineteen seventy, and he believed in like yeah black power and white power. He believed in the brown power. Yeah. And that's why he wrote a book called uh, The Brown Buffalo, where you get the idea of the film is called Where the Buffaloes Roam, because oh, wow. that Where the Buffaloes Roam is really meant to be about. George Acosta, yeah. that's why he's in it more as in him, and that's where that comes from. Yeah. And then he felt bad because he slagged him off really bad, really <laughs> bad. As a really bad. And, and um, he tried to make up with him, but he never did make up with him oh, really? because he went, they don't know, he went missing, don't yeah, they don't know whatever happened to him. They had, he had a phone call uh, when he was, he was basically he was involved with drug smuggling, hmm. and they think they killed him because I found out he was a lawyer. So that's where that comes from. But you'll never know because... He, but could, the, he could still be alive. But then again, I suppose he would Fucking hell, I wonder if he's different. <laughs> like oh, that. I'm say, yeah. But I like the but fact he, that he, he says, like, you know, we've got to go to Las Vegas. And as you return... As you return, that's his line on the island. As you return, I advise that you buy an up and tap car. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they pick up Tommy Wire and, and generally just freak him out as they're, they're going along there. At first, you know, at first, because he looks quite freaky. Oh, yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? And it's the fact, but I love, the, I love Gilliam's angles on this bit where it's real close up towards Johnny Depp. And the way he's looking at him, you yeah, see the yeah. bats floating around. And the yeah. way he's got that, that kind of like... He's fly swatter. That's not swatter. mentioned in the but book, Danny. I don't is know where that comes from. Is he a fly swatter, though? Or is he actually a spatula? I don't know, but that's not like in the book. It's a weird bit, that is. But it really works. It does really Because he's constantly going to He's constantly trying to whack him on the head. He always does it when he's that looking, though, doesn't he? Because he's scared of him as well, isn't he? That is the thing. And that bit, where you think the freak blow, the freak blow's normal, and he's scared out of him. And... That's the bit where Raoul tries to calm him down and makes it worse, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hitchhiker does end up uh, running off. I noticed as well that, that, that it, throughout this, whether it's um, monetary kind of stuff, but the music in it, as you'll notice, uh, our dear listeners, we haven't put any kind of soundtrack on this because it's, it's quite hard to pick out. I mean, we were yeah, talking about this. It's, it's only snippets of it's songs, It's only snippets. You've got White Valley by Jeff. In fact, two, there's two Jefferson Airplane uh, songs. And they both work brilliantly in the bits. Oh, yeah, they? really, really. And there's two Tom Jones in it. She's a Lady, which I think is a gra- cracking song when yeah. they're driving yeah. into Las Vegas, which is really good. And I think there's another Tom Jones one a little bit later. But I love the fact when he buys, he buys the car, which is a bit weird because you see him buying the car, and he steals the pen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's, he's like he's fascinated by yeah, his pen, yeah, isn't yeah. he? Hey, man, and that bloke chases after him, and he goes, "Give me my pen back, not the car, not the car." So he yeah, gets yeah. After him a pen. But that's <laughs> that's a hunter though. He he loved pens. He was yeah. obsessed with pens. It's a thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, this is. Yeah, I love your pen, man. Uh, now, when he books into the hotel, the acid, the awesome, I put awesome acid illusion at the hotel. Now, I mean, you've talked about this kind of stuff before. That yeah. I, 
I've I've always been somebody who stayed away from any yeah. kind of. Well, that's the bit really weird. Like they're really off their tree. Okay. Really bad because he freaks out really bad. Don't need to. Yeah, and he's talking to the receptionist, and her face slow changes, which again is brilliant Gilliam style kind of. Yeah, because the way he's trying to keep it he's together, isn't to he? the way he's going, keep it together, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's not real. It's not really card, can no, it? No, no. so... And the thing that I like about it, like I said to you, there was that time when we was at one of our first ever music festivals, and I think it was Reading Festival, and and uh, and some. Chaps came along with a bong, I think it was. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm somebody who doesn't smoke. Yeah, anyway, yeah, so yeah, for, yeah. The, for the love of God, why I bothered? Why I even? I think it was just in the spirit of spirit of the festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a guy that, and I'm not. I I said I thought I'd gone, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. I thought I'd gone for a five minute stroll. According <laughs> to Cal here, yeah, I was yeah, gone yeah. for what three and a half yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. And I and I seem to. I, 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 I remember. I remember thinking I desperately need water. Taking 50p out, my hand was massive. Uh, a really big, massive hand. Yeah, yeah. A massive 50p. And I must have looked so mad at the bank. Oh, yeah, people know. Oh, yeah, oh, they oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going up to the guy and asking him for, for and making sure I said, and I remember saying to him, and I shall have still water. <laughs> and, and that kind of, he reminded me of that. Oh. And again, like I said to you, because it's really hard to sort of like put drugs oh. on film without being. Cor- not corny, you know, yeah, corny. It's not corny. Like. The drugs, it's in not. It. It's you scary. know, you can be a bit. Oh yeah, man. It's not like no, that no, because no. everyone knows. But that is sort of the point of the thing about the American it's, dream. The American dream has become now where you can be off your face, but as long as you're walking gambling, they don't that care. Don't but that's a bit of need for it, That isn't it. They pick me up and throw me into the thing. Yeah, and also as well, it's a bit like when you're drunk as well, and everybody's done it when you've come home. And, and maybe Emma's sitting there and you're coming and you're, and you're desperately trying to be sober and you're acting Makes sober. it worse. And you you think, I'm getting away with it. I've done it kinds of amount of times when yeah. I've come back on a Saturday. And uh, yeah. now I've just, now what I do you is say I'm drunk. I just walk in and say, I'm really quite drunk and I'm going to bed. Yeah. And that's all I yeah. do from now on. I don't even bother to try and. Oh, no, because you're right because you don't know. Well, it's the two steps forward, one step back, isn't it? Thing well, that you see people doing. It's that kind of thing where in your mind, you're totally focused and you know what's going on. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what's really good about this scene in the film where yeah, yeah, yeah. you're watching him doing that mad kind of spider walking yeah, up, yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. up to the kind of like the reception. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at it, but in his head, he's going, I'm keeping it together. Yeah, yeah, uh, he is. I'm keeping it together. And it makes you laugh when it, when it takes bloody uh, Dr. Gonzo to come in to get yeah. it together because he can't even speak, can he? Uh, no, no, no. Doc, uh, well, I keep saying Hunter, but he's Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Can't even speak, can he? And he comes in and he's a sober one and yeah, that says it all because that's what these pieces like. <laughs> the first half of it, it's Hunter's out of control. Yeah. Then Hunter gets it together, and then it's he's completely it's, out of control. It's almost like he gets his assignment, doesn't he? So he gets his assignment, so his work ethic starts to kick in. Yet the attorney, I mean, Doctor Gonzo, no comes in. He's there for no apparent reason, and he literally does just go absolutely. Oh, a man! Well, it mean, scares it scares him, doesn't it? We we we've talked about it that you know the the hotel room scenes in it. A terrifying. Yeah. Because you can imagine it was like that. There's a bit in there where we know when he goes, he's got his first time when he goes to go to the desert race. Um, yeah, when he had the Min 500. Yeah, yeah the Min 500. And he turns around and says to the photographer, You're not Portuguese. Is there any re- irrelevance to that? Well, in the book, in the book, that's a massive bit that is. Oh, and okay, good. Because you know, he, he starts off, he goes, uh, You know, when he walks up, he goes, uh, It's eight o'clock in the morning. I don't need uh, coffee and donuts. I need beer with the other finest uh, American sports uh, writers. <laughs> so in that, you've got a whole bit where they're all talking about Muhammad. Because he's obsessed with Muhammad Ali. He rest on some right. He was his ultimate hero. He wrote an amazing story, uh, amazing article all about him. Anyway, people all thought he was a racist, right? Because he uses a lot of racial language in his in his mm. books. But then again, it's not a so does so Quinton Tarantino. But I think it's a character. Yeah, it's a character. You know, his stories. Anyway, I don't get into that. <laughs> but uh, it, like he was obsessed with him. So that bit. But then again, in the film, it wouldn't have made a difference no. because, like, I think Phil said it right that in the in the book, there's a lot more about the Mint Five Hundred. What it's trying to, they couldn't really because it's more about an ideal. So they wanted more of an that to make it funny. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're it straight, it ain't. It's not nice. No. So it's a bit funnier than the, the books. It is funny, but not in the same way. This is a lot more knockabout comedy. Yeah, because that, that race beard is quite weird, the way that he's there to do Oh, that, to do no, you know, when he sees them he's people... He's just constantly like, holding his beard. Do you know that bit? You know, where you see the people come across the journey, they go, that's not in the book. No. I think they just wanted something to do. You know, it, like I said, it's so unfilmable. Mm. What the hell can you do? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, he's the way. More Tom Jones. He gets thrown out of the. De- and now I love that bit where they go to the Debbie Reynolds gig. 
Is that like look like you? But that you know, I was watching it with Emma, my wife, and we were saying, "There's when you're young, when you get really, really, really wrecked." <laughs> I was say you have such adventures. Oh my! God. And that bit, you can imagine be, doing something like that, can't well, you? I did something. Similar. Stand at the back, yeah. be quiet, and don't yeah. smoke. And it's like instantaneously they come out, and it's the way they're laughing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, They've had yeah. such a good time. Well, I, I, I did something similar where I went to. Um, I, I was. I was. I had a day. Now, for some reason, I seem to remember I, we, I, I hadn't gone to work, and me and Ray had gone for a day drinking at Birmingham when we were proper. When yeah, yeah, yeah. proper drinking, and uh, it was cracking. And we ended up in Ronnie Scott's when it was Ronnie Scott's before he came to Rocket Club. And uh, we were sitting outside there, and we were just drinking, and we were getting the vibe of jazz and all that kind of thing. You know, you're, you're, not, you're scared of jazz. And War were playing. You know, oh, well, I remember this guy. It's quite a long time ago, this, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Now, they were playing, and me and Ray decided to go. Now, we were in no fit, fit thing to go and see a gig at all, right? But we got a ticket, we got in, we sat at the back, we ordered shitloads of chicken, <laughs> which is what I said. And then when the guy turned around, he said, right, we're opening it up for requests now. And... I was really drunk, so I stood up and shouted, Dave Brubeck, take five! <laughs> like that. And the guy says, preferably I'm on time, so... <laughs> and, I went, oh, okay. and I then vomited. But <laughs> in your head, it's brilliant, what a laugh. Oh, I, I, oh, what a laugh. I, 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 was, I had a great time. There's no doubt, There's sometimes, you know, giving yourself, I don't want to be pro it, but sometimes giving yourself up to wild abandonment uh, with yeah, drink and drugs... As long as you don't hurt anyone else. As long as you don't hurt anyone else, you can have an amazing ex- adventure. your high, my friend. Yeah, because, you know, it's all about instinct when you're like that. What yeah. do I want to do Pref- now? Preferably do it when you're young, I think. <laughs> Not, Not now. No, but I say, no, there's nothing more embarrassing when you're young. But when you're young, no. that is such a wild... There's sometimes nothing, waking up thinking, what the hell did I do last night? Yeah. And I started up 10 years of doing that, we did. Well, but I, it's brilliant. I, I always say that some of the best times that we've had is actually walking to our flat when we live together. Trying to put the key in the door and then realising now it's six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then looking up and thinking, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, the sun's up. And thinking, but we have no idea how we. And that's what that bit. It's like if you know, like I said, if you're, I've got to say, if you're completely teetotal and sober person, I think there's bits of this film you're never going to get. I've got to be honest about it, and not about drugs. And that's not a bad. That's not. I'm not from saying it's a bad thing, but. You've never been in that situation where you don't know what you're doing. Why you end up well, in places, nightclubs, like Park Holiday, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, thinking, yeah. well, how do we get here? Yeah, like that when we was on holiday. Like and... you, chasing a bloke who threw a thing at your leg. You wouldn't have done that if you are sober, would you? I was sober. Oh, yeah. Because I took <laughs> you home and you vomited everywhere in the thing. No, that but was you started. No, you started later. <laughs> but if you remember, though, it was like that that night that our first holiday, not our first holiday, but... No, it would have been a classic I, I fell asleep on, on a pier with my legs in the water and thought I was draining. You went no, to the wrong hotel. Yeah, and there was dancing for the people in the lobby. And then I got in a taxi and it was one door away. <laughs> no, you know, I always remember this. I was talking to my wife about this. That we were all in of nervous, us three all together in a pub quiz. Yeah. I remember we were called the Harvey School of Kung Fu. I remember that. We all went out there. We all went, yeah, see you later. Yeah. And we all went off. What the hell? No idea. I have no so idea. That kind of thing can't be recreated in any other thing with the booze and that because yeah. you just do things. Why the hell with three 19 year old lads splitting up yeah. at two o'clock in the morning when they're all going back to the same place? Going back to the same hotel. I ended up on the beach with my legs in the water nearly draining. <laughs> you was dancing yeah, yeah. to the, almost to a bar mitzvah in the, yeah. in the wrong hotel. <laughs> and Kev was filling his face in pizza talking to somebody who thought it was us. Yeah. Madness. But it's also when you look going back slightly to Withnall and I. It's the reason why Bruce Robinson did turn around to Richard E. Grant, who of course he's allergic to yeah, alcohol, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not too tall because he's allergic yeah, to yeah, alcohol yeah. and on, made him drink a bottle of vodka with Coke and to, so he could experience the, the feeling, not so much the feeling of what it's like to be drunk, but the feeling of what it's like the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. That's, what you, that's the experience that everyone always tends to remember, is what you feel like the next day, regardless of what you've done. And he did it, and he was violently ill, and he was terribly ill. But he remembered being drunk. And, he remembered, and I, think, I think Richard E. Grant plays the best drunk I've ever seen, to this day, I, when he's in that yeah, car. Yeah, I think Martin Cain's a good drunk. 
I think he's drunk is amazing that because it's sort of normal but not yeah, quite when, right. when he's on the stand yeah. he's trying to and do like that that's why it's not over <coughs> no it's, it's correct it's correct it's difficult to play a drunk if you don't know what it is yeah exactly it's difficult so you do have to know about it and it doesn't matter what kind of actor and I don't mean like and that's why that scene's amazing because they get back in and it's the only time I think in that film where you see them truly happy together yeah because they're having a right laugh together ain't they when they're laughing and laughing aren't they right with now no, in a, in in, in, um, oh, in fear in, and loathing. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. in there for, and they're laughing together. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is they're driving around. They got thrown out because they're so wrecked, but they're driving. Yeah, and then fun. the old evil ether comes on, and that's <laughs> when it all goes down. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got here as well. They get right. Uh, ether sniffing. That's what you just said. Yeah. I love uh, that. The acro- now that was weird. The acrobats with the false pregnant tummy and they hit her with uh, the hammer and the baby shoots out. But then again, you don't know what... Is, he, that, is, that, me, are you, is that meant to be through the eyes of our Duke or is that meant to that's be... That's not in the book. So is that... So that's you don't, then, isn't it? You don't know that bit. Well, I was watching it with uh, Emma's going, is that bit real? So you don't... You no. never know in that film because there's a bit where he wakes up, isn't in his room later on, where he's like sort of devolved mm. and he's got a tail on and yeah. he's walking round and he goes, oh, there I am, and he wakes up, and he don't know what's happened. Nah. So you never know there's a if big... that bit has hatched up, or is that stuff that done loads of ether, and this is what they're seeing. Yeah, because there's a big gap, time gap in that, because that room looks really different as well, doesn't it? The whole thing's going... Also, you've got the bit in the lift as well, with Cameron Diaz, who's kind of flirting yeah, yeah. slightly with... Yeah, that's uh, where the violent side of it. And he pulls that knife out. And he's doing that. <laughs> yeah, he's doing that. And then the, the, where the lift door opens, and you've got the American couple standing there, and he just looks... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get in that lift. Uh, that's where you get Jefferson Airplane's white, uh, white Rabbit. It is a great bit, though, that is. Well, there's a bit where you suddenly find the attorney in, in the uh, in the bath. You've done all the and acid. he throws that fruit in his head, doesn't no, he? Because you've done all the acid. He goes, kill me. He goes, the peak of White Rabbit, don't he? Yeah. He goes, I'm going to do it then. I'm going to do it this morning. And he throws that massive breath. Yeah, he goes, <laughs> his head and then... <laughs> he just leaks it. And then he's like, get back, you bastard. And he's like, punching the back. <laughs> now, it's the bit where you see uh, Jefferson Airplane and I think there's somebody acting acting as Jefferson Airplane because it's meant to be them light yeah. which is when you see them walking through the Matrix Club where you see the real Hunter it's supposed to be in 1965 oh, yeah, yeah. again that's really good makeup with with, uh, with Johnny Depp the fact that he actually does look younger and he just put his little tough on his hair he's a little bit because you know there, yeah. that bit is in the book that is because that's the bit uh, because the book is a strange book anyway because he's flying backwards and forwards and letters and everything but that bit is like how, how it's changed in the film but that is how we first did I that's, tell you what that book was that I was mentioning earlier on it was a collection of Hunter's letters up to 1967 oh it's uh, Proud Highway that's the one yeah yeah, yeah I haven't read I haven't read that because yeah. you know there's only so much that my wife will allow me to uh, keep going on about him so I have to have a break when, you, when you read your Hunter do you wear your oh, poker voice but um but no, that bit is like in the book is a whole bit where he first did acid yeah. but it's very different in the book because he says because he, like, he never remember it, until 65 he smoked the odd bit of pot as he called it but he was just a drunk mm. he was drinking from 13 someone said try this and he goes this ain't working he said the next thing he knows he was driving across the golden plate so he's laughing his head off right. and he goes I've found the drug for me yeah. and that's where it all come from then but they couldn't really put that in so they put the feel of it with acid yeah. and got the, it's like that bloke meant to be like Timothy Leary isn't there going oh, oh well he says that wonderful there's a wonderful really monologue great. at the end of there isn't it where this is where Timothy Leary well there's the famous scene with the wave yeah, that's yeah, it yeah, that yeah. is the best book in the thing and when uh that on that record was about Harry Dean Stanton supposed to do that amazing, but there's no doubt that that bit there where he talks about how if you if you look out there with the right eyes you can mm. see where he broke and wrote back it was all about the seventies. Yeah. How he had all this great idea and he went back. That's an amazing bit. I think it's the best bit of the book if, and the if, film. If I get time, I can't promise, uh, ladies and gents. That if I do get chance, I'm trying to I'm going to try and release this tonight. Uh, you're going to yeah, find that. So. Dial- don't I mean, if I can find it, it's famous. It's famous. Um, so you get the uh, the crazy hippie licking acid in, a, in the red wood shirt that of course is flu which is a freakish man but I love that red checkered shirt that he's got yeah, yeah, that's he's, very good he's, he's, he's woollen shirt he's, he's red woollen shirt, woolen shirt uh, making his escape from the hotel which is really good and then getting pulled over by uh, Gary Boosie Carol, you love the Gary Boosie bit don't you yeah my man it's just because it's a really odd bit because he's ad-libbed yeah. the ad-lib is the bit when he goes kiss me mm-hmm. now it works because he looks confused, Johnny Depp. Yeah. And, you know, when that stopped, they were going to film it again. And Johnny Depp was, no, no, I like that because it, that ain't in the book, see, because he loved no, it, no. but it works because he's lonely. Yeah. Because there's a whole chapter of that story about him being chased by him. He's shortened down there, but it's a brilliant bit where he just lets him... 
it's, it's that thing you said, don't ever slow down, no. speed up, speed up, yeah. and then put your blinker on. Could it confuse him when he does in that? But that's the reason I know. I like, I like Gary Boosie. Yeah. I know he's completely. He's nuts. He's nuts. Really. There's no he's, not, he's not as nuts as your man who was in Independence Day. Oh no, uh, and, uh, Andy I don't want to. There was aliens. Have you shot. seen that? Is, Andy it, is that the one who went off to Canada? <laughs> Uh, if you go into any kind of website, yeah. porn website, remember that? Is it Typing Mandy Clay, he's done that thing where he's standing there doing a strange monologue and he's wearing like a long fur coat and he just stands there and the fur coat opens up and he's got his uh, meat and two veg just standing there going, and I'm here. He's quite, isn't that young even, is he? He's nuts, no. Do you think he's drinking drugs? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> it's filmed by his wife <laughs> and she released it on Pornhub or something, I think. So yeah, no, it's weird. He's prop that's yeah. scary nuts, isn't it? It's scary nuts as well when your wife's going along with you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe nuts literally. But Gary Busey was like a, a big, big. He's not. Fan he's of not anyway. off his face anymore now, though, is he? No, because he was on Big Brother. He give yeah. well, he give up cocaine at seventeen. <laughs> 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 you know, it's a good age. It's a good age to give it up, isn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish John Emerson had done it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Now the hitchhiker comes back in briefly, and then they head back to uh, Las Vegas. Great reaction from the concierge with the ranting copper. I love that bit. That is really good. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, the way he just loses. He's <laughs> not listening to me, is he? No, we're not got, listening to each other. I love the way you got the concierge out to answer. I'm sorry, sir, but you're not on this thing. And he goes, I'm a, I'm a police today. And it's just the way that Duke uh, uh, walks in. Tony goes. Hey, hello there, my good man. I've got a... And the way that he goes, of course, sir. There yeah, you go. Yeah. And you can see... Cornered wild turkey and he's doing yeah, all that yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, thank and you, the way that bloke... He's getting mad at him and his wife's crying at Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but you don't know why. No, but he turns around to him and goes, uh, just like to turn around to your man and say, thank you very much. That's marvellous. I have a great day. And he just walks <laughs> yeah, off yeah. and he goes, if you've seen what you've done to my wife, have you seen? The way the guy just walks off. Yeah. I love that bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. This is a bit as well, of course, where we see uh, Christina Ricci, where it's like that, uh, it's that ice cream van. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's minus two. Yes. It is. It is. <laughs> Are we on drugs? Yeah, no. This is very important moment. Where you see Christina Ricci, because anyway, uh, she paints pictures of Barbara Streisand. Yeah. And you think, how old is this girl? Oh, no, do you know she's 14? She's 14. Right, in the book, <laughs> I really don't like this bit in the book, right? There's a thing with, right, I always say, with people you love, if you really love them, you know the weaknesses, Ooh. right? You can pick out, right, my thing, Hunter S. Thompson was obsessed with rape. Oh, really? Mm. I don't know why it's in all of Hell's Angels, and this bit, because you're just being horrible, you know that bit where he goes, you're just being vile, where he starts reading that Hunter's too far, yeah. but there's a whole bit where he's going, yeah, we're going to get them here, we're going to get them coppers in, we're going to open a rake factory, and we're going to charge a thousand bucks a rake, and we can get ten in a day, it's a horrible bit, yeah. but that's insane, that it's horrible, yeah, that yeah, yeah. he's a horrible character, Al Duke, and he, that's what that's all about, he didn't like, there's a lot of self-loathing in Hunter, people always think you have this mad ego, <laughs> but ego, a lot of ego comes from because you hate yourself, and no one's saying you're great, so you have to tell people you're great yourself, even though you know full well that you're not, yeah. Hunter had serious problems and uh, you know that bit in the thing I've, I've talked to Kevin about it and he goes yeah. oh I didn't like that bit but there's nothing wrong with that because it's still a brilliant book mm. but it's not right and I, you know and that but, but yeah, yeah so well, sometimes, sometimes it has that, to be maybe, in it yeah, it say. has to be in yeah, it yeah, maybe sometimes you have to have those because every time you think he's a hero otherwise you're going to get an anti yeah exactly every time you think oh Hunter's the hero <coughs> no he's not there's two bits in it it's the rape and the dining scene yeah. where you realise he's not a hero really is he no why would you want to be like that? You'd be a coward, really. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, good point. Um, now, he goes to the um, that kind of convention, I'd say, with all the coppers and all the, the drug enforcement people. You like this bit, don't you? I love the bit where he breaks <laughs> the fourth wall, where you got the bloke on there, and he's turning around saying, uh, he goes, the reason why they call it a roach is because it looks like a cockroach. And the way that Johnny Depp looks at the camera and goes, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but is that weird bit? They're all watching these drugs and they're all just doing loads of coke and drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no one's knowing because they don't know what it is. Nah. And it's like a right bunch of fucking rednecks, oh, isn't it? Yeah, they are. And it's, it's like, like you know, it's like, yeah, it's why people don't like the police, it's people like that, isn't it? They've got no idea. They're going over there for a jolly to watch an old video about drugs. Where there's people doing drugs next to you, you yeah, never know. That's like, now, what's the, you know, the, the I've put there, take dipping meds on there, dipping medication. He's got that little bottle that, uh, that guns that gives him. What, he, what is that meant to be? Ephedrine. Oh, right. right, okay. Right. Now, at the beginning of the film, yeah. when he first walks into the hotel, in the background, 
there's a person on the phone saying, oh, do you hear about that prostitute was found with her head cut off and someone drilled a hole in her head? That right. is that bit later on. He did it all the war, right? He made up a drug. And what he's saying there is people in America are so desperate for drugs mm. that accept someone being killed and it's not real. He no. never did that. No. Remember, all this thing, does, he, he told people he didn't live this life, but he also said it was completely made up. It'd be like Oliver Reed who wasn't drunk all the time. Doing it's made like up that. a lot of this story. He did lots of stories. He did one called The Great Shark Hunt. It's a lot like it. I told you he did one... Um, the Kentucky Derby is a fearful place, which is just like when he went on the piss with uh, old... Uh, I can't remember now. Uh, you know, the artist. Salvador Dali? No, uh, him and him. He's, you know, he, he did all the... Oh, uh, Ralph Steadman. Ralph Steadman, yeah, yeah. could be yeah. There's that. So, Salvador Dali. So, so, anyway, but I think that's what he did. That's what Gonzo was. He used yeah. all these other things to make a new story. But no, because in, in the film, uh, in the book, uh, Fear and... On the Logan on the Campaign Trail... When he, was, when he was going there, he destroyed one of the candidates by making up that he did a drug called Eggmanine. Oh, I saw him. I saw this doctor being, Brazilian doctor being flown in midnight. He was giving these Eggmanine. He finished him. He made it up. Oh, Never right. really was doing no. drugs. So he did it again. He always did it. He thought, this how far I'll go. Hunter sort of out taking the piss out of people who are watching it to do drugs. The one thing Hunter hated more than anything in the world was someone going up saying, look how many drugs I can do. Go, it's nothing to do with me. Do you think... You do, it's up to you then. Mate, is Howard Marks a little bit like that? Because you know when we went and saw the Mr. Nice tour years and years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said to and, uh, you know, I'm not somebody who did mm. it. Yeah, but it was, okay, it was a good thing. But it was really good. I, well, I'm really fascinated by his, his life story. Uh, you know, I'm not interested in the, in the, nah, in the dating. It wasn't loads of But baby. you know what I found cringy? People going up and up. People going up yeah. again. And I'm thinking, oh. surely he's got enough. Right. Drugs, drink, should be personal. Yeah. You're doing it for you, not anyone else, not to show off. Mm. And Hunter hated that. So that's why he puts these things in there. Look how, look how mad I am. Mm. I'll do this bloody effort. I mean, they ain't no really kill people for a drug. You couldn't do it anyway. No. Because he does it, and that's where he loses it then, doesn't he? Yeah, because he, he completely keeps, he keeps loses doing that, it. And Dr. Gonzo turns around and says, uh, you've done too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really weird. I wonder what that was. Uh, horrendous brain. Bob Hall's reaction to the Horn Devil of it on air, which was actually I found that really bit quite is scary. disturbing. That is so he's trying, and he's like looking up, and he's yeah. like really scared. And he's scared. He's scared little yeah. boy there. And, isn't and again, though, like what you said the other day, how brilliant Benito Dentoro is. How how amazing actor he is. I love is him. I think he's absolutely. Brilliant. And he does come across as a really scary person. I think he's supposed to be really nice. No, but he's just got he's just intimidating. It's a bit like. Thingy readers, isn't it? When you look at him, when you look at Dowell in The Walking Dead, oh. in real life, he looks like someone you think, I really want to get on the wrong side. But apparently, he's supposed to be a really dark. And it was my model. He's a model. <laughs> how? How? I don't know. Yeah. There you go, you know. Um, I put a how many nights question mark. Oh, God, how many nights has this gone on? That's I put a question mark there because you look in that hotel room, looks pretty fucked. Man. You don't I mean, know how like, long they've been there. In the book, it's meant to be five days, but in this, there's no way they could do all that because they would get all the stuff in. But you don't know. It's all in a gonzo world, isn't it? No, I've got two points left now at the end. Uh, one, I think, is quite a, a real horrible scene. It's the uh, the lemon meringue pie dinosaur scene. Yeah, but it's needed again because yet yeah. again, we we talked this about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It shows because. He's been very, very scary, Dr. Gonzo, is yeah. in this. Oh, he's yeah. right. And he's well, having he, he, he wrote backdoor back back door door beauty. beauty to the girl. So yeah. you don't really know what that's about, but she gets really offended. Well, he's referring to it, she taking him. Yeah, but it's like, uh, but he doesn't know. I don't think he knows he's even wrote it. Because no, he goes, Why are you offended by that? And he goes, uh, and she goes, I'll have a go at you. No, you treat me like shit. I'll call the cops. And that's when he flips him. If he's not, yeah. then he'll call the cops. And he just walks out. And cuts the thing, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he walks back, and he's being really intimidating there. Yeah. So what, that whole thing about how much, how much for the pie? Yeah. And what's Hunter what I mean? doing? Well, he's sitting there ignoring what's going scared. on. Scared. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't know whether he was being scared in that scene or whether he was just deliberately sort of like because what I get from it. He's, he's sitting there and he's, he's reading the newspaper and he's got steak and... But he don't know it. He said, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. But he's sitting there and he kind of is looking like that and he's just carrying on reading. And it's almost as if this is an everyday occurrence. Yeah, yeah. Like, he knows just, it's wrong, yeah. doesn't he? You can it's see like, it's, it's like, almost like, it's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, he doesn't, as you say, he doesn't offer any kind of thing of him and lay off. He just lets no. it all come The only off. thing he does is text the plate back. Well, yeah, he walks out in the play, and, and he's got yeah. That's the only thing, nice thing he does. Then he jumps in as if nothing's happened. Yeah, and they just carry and on. And he's saying it's not nice to be like this. And I've got the room, I've got, for some reason, I wrote at the very end here uh, Hotel Room Shattered, New Young, 
Or is it Buffalo Springfield? I think it's Buffalo Springfield. Uh, uh, no, it, uh, it's uh, not Broken Arrow. It's, uh, it is it Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. So is that, is that it's Buffalo? Uh, Buffalo? No, it's Buffalo Springfield. It's Buffalo Springfield, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, But I think what, what a beautiful... So I think that... I, you know, you know, for Axe Man, which I love Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, a lot, of, a lot of the best Buffalo Springfield songs were Neil Young. You know, yeah, there's no doubt that. And, and I think that, that song is a perfect Oh, like song I said, it hasn't got a lot of budget, but all the songs in this are perfect for it. Can you get the soundtrack? I think you can, but it hasn't got them all on, I don't no. think. It's got a Bob Dylan record on there, and you're never going to get a Bob Dylan. Like, it's a bit like if you bother with Nine Eye soundtrack. It's covers of uh, Along uh, the Watchtower and the Jazz. Yeah, you know, that, you know what that idea, really. It's a bit like the rest of So, yeah, so, I mean, all in all, I mean, you, you haven't seen that film for a long time either, have you? No, no, no. Like I said, I've just been read all the... I said, there's no doubt it is... It's not an easy watch, because <laughs> it is just relentless. There's no doubt, we're going to say it. It's just relentless drugs and booze for two hours... And do you think that's the reason why Phil says there are some kind of blatant flaws anyway? The fact that there's a more of a, there's a bit of a less narrative going on, as more visual kind it's, of thing. It's a different if thing. You could say that's a Hunter loved the film. Mm. He said, you oh, know, yeah, we're watching the. Did you watch the making of? I haven't saw that. Is it good on it? Well, it's it's very kind of like you know shot and scene. But what's interesting is is that Hunter's there on set wearing the clothes that you see Johnny Depp. <laughs> well, he shaved his head. Yeah, but also there's a bit where you know he's wearing that kind of like almost multicolored kind of like exactly. um, tracksuit top, and then you see there's a scene where Johnny Depp's filming something and and and, uh, and Hunter's sitting there wearing those clothes, and then a little bit later on he's wearing so whether he was swapping clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. on the day or something or whether there was there was made to look like it I don't know I think I think he did actually borrow the clothes didn't he Yeah, yeah it's, it's really like, weird yeah. watching it where you think actually. You see them two standing together. Oh. they are incredibly similar. It's quite well, scary, you know, actually. there's a, there's a great story about where Hunter was, uh, where Johnny Depp went to live because when you went to live with him for three weeks, yeah, right, yeah. you stopped in his bunker. He was bunker. He used to call it a forty-five. It was just a way, a typical Hunter. It was just a normal age. But he had a basement, right? And he made Hunter sleep in his basement. He made Johnny Depp sleep in his basement. I remember he was a superstar, mm. and he was sleeping on an old couch with a thing on him, right? And um. He used to be smoking at the time and he had like a big barrel next to him and he used to put his fag ash in there. He was doing this for ages. And one night he thought, what the hell is this? What I'm putting in? He had a look, it was a bomb. <laughs> he could he went up and he said, oh, and then goes, oh, I forgot I left that there. If that would have cut, it would have killed them both. Bloody hell. What did Hunter do? Ah, carry on. <laughs> Brilliant. So you got, you know, he didn't care. <laughs> you know I mean? Like you said, he could have killed him, but he said it all for art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I said, it's a different thing because I think if you would have made. The book as the film, people were good. Well, it's just a, someone writing about a motorbike mm, race. Yeah. It's sort of not about that. It's about no. the American dream, and it's a, it is the end of the American dream. Also, isn't it? But also, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is because this is it. And Gambling and people being off the face. That's it. That's mm. what America's become. And also, I suppose it's one of those things where it's the opportunity to show the character of Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, on on film as as you know you're never going to do it any other way because there's no way he would have got an autobiography done unless it has been one done on something like HBO or something like that because possibly the only people that you could get to to pull off a, a decent proper bio, uh, bio dot you know yeah. bio film bio yeah. doco would it be something like BBC Four where they do their wonderful kind of like it's, you know it's difficult because but it the, is your time scale yeah, what, uh, what time scale do you and, do? He, he wasn't overly likeable. Well, and also, he's, so, he, he wasn't the happiest of people towards personal... He's a manic depressive. Yeah. There's no doubt, because... I remember my, my friend, Kev, who... Our friend, Kev, so say, He always said to me, you've always got to remember he was mentally ill. Mm. And I, I used to think, no, because I've read, read it. And you read it for... Yeah. Mm. You know, a complete manic depressive. Mm. Because that's how he was. He went from pits of despair... Then he'd do loads and loads of drugs and booze to make, keep his mood up. And then when he was that thing, he was horrible. It's a shame we didn't have Kev here because it would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, because he's obsessive Kev, a lot more yeah, than And it's also been interesting because as Kev's near enough teetotal as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's been, which is strange time. when all the heroes are like, it's all... Especially Hunter, yeah, 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 you want to drink Yeah, and Kev, one of Kev's biggest fans, was Peter Cook as well, and you can't get much more than so uh, that's our thing on, on Fear and Love. I think a pretty good. Uh, pretty oh, good look, I said that, it's probably not a massive film because he said I don't think loads of people. But come out if you haven't saw it, uh, you know, and you you think oh, I'm not going to be interested in a film about drugs. Think of the performances. <laughs> and it's, 
It is mental. It's generally funny. It is. It's really, fun. Yeah, Forget it is that. Funny, it's yeah. a funny film. I like, I like quirky things in yeah. films, and I do like things that break the fourth wall. I oh, like this has got that. And this does do that. And I think again, it's it, one. It's not perfect. It, there's also quite. There's also a little bit. And I, 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 I know it's a terrible thing to say, but and it, there's no. It's not Python esque at all, but. You can tell when you when you're into Monty Python, you can tell the Gillian bits in Monty Python, uh, 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 and you can see it in this. Like film. The, it's the Eve bit, isn't it, with all the aliens, oh, yeah, with yeah, all yeah. the lizards? When yeah. he's talking about lizards, that bit is so Python. Yeah. And again, when you go back and watch something like Brazil, you, there's a lot of lot of Brazil. Well, so in fear and like, well, so to say, in fear and like, Vegas, obviously Brazil was before that. You can see a lot of that in it. And I think there's a, a nice little contrast to everything on there. And, you, and he's got, as we said at the start of this podcast. What is good about it is the fact that you've got the director traits all the way through. And it's what yeah. you should have. Hitchcock always did it. Burton always does it. Kevin Smith was talking about him with the Clarks. And Gilliam does it on this. And I think, it's, I think he pulls it off really well. I think it's the best you could get out of it. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, to me, if, if you know, if only a couple of... I didn't mean we did Apocalypse Now, didn't we? If mm. only a few people go out and buy the film they've never read... Because it didn't do that well, like I said. You don't really see a lot of Hunter anymore. It's a long time since he's dead now. So, you know, read the film. Oh, actually, I caught that. And then go out and buy the book because they want to get the de- mm. the proper story. Brilliant. Yeah, now, if you want to go and buy the uh, DVD Blu-ray or the book... It's quite cheap, buy Blu-ray. Oh, cheap. yeah, it's dirty. Or if you want to get into Hunter S. Thompson, uh, on the show notes on our Facebook page and on our email address, if you're part of the email group, um, I'm going to put our Waffle on Amazon associate link. Um, that doesn't cost you anything extra. If you click on that link and buy something from Amazon... Me and Cal here get some money back. We got bugger all for the past year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, Bob yeah. Case, but it just helps the podcast, and it would be great if you could do so. I'll put a link on that if yeah. anyone uses it. Um, and of course, it will all be in the show notes uh, along with anything else. Please do leave us some iTunes reviews, that would be lovely, or any kind of views on anything you use to listen to Waffle On. And I'd be interested to know what people are listening to us where we're finding us whether it be iTunes or whether it be Google Play mm-hmm. or whether it be uh, Stitcher Radio um, March is literally tomorrow yeah we don't know we're gonna, we, we'll think about it we have no idea the only thing we are definitely doing in yeah. May I think we're doing Star yeah. Trek original series aren't we, we are. it's anniversary so we're not going to go before Star Trek fans get excited we're not going to go for every episode because we, it's not about that. We're going to do what it means to us, aren't yeah, we? It's going to be. It's going to be a talk about yeah, Star Trek. It's going to be a reminiscence, and it's going to be uh, what Star Trek means meant for us and growing up in. And the we're not talking about Spock's brain. But if you would like to, uh, that's going to be yeah, May. That, that's that's, that's May episode. So we got a couple of months of that. So plenty of time for you to uh, send us an email at wafflon, uh, podcast at uh, gmail.com. Anyway, Jen will read all that. <laughs> she does a much better job than what we do. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Expecting to fly. We're all wired into a survival trip now. No more of the speed that fueled the 60s. That was the fatal flaw in Tim Leary's trip. He crashed around America selling consciousness expansion without ever giving a thought to the grim meat-hook realities that were lying in wait for all those people who took him seriously. All those pathetically eager acid freaks who thought they could buy peace and understanding for three bucks a hit. But their loss and failure is ours too. What Leary took down with him was the central illusion of a whole lifestyle that he helped create. A generation of permanent cripples, failed seekers, who never understood the essential old mystic fallacy of the acid culture. The desperate assumption that somebody, or at least some force, is tending the light at the end of the tunnel. There was only one road back to LA. U.S. Interstate 15. Just a flat-out high-speed burn through Baker and Barstow and Purdue. Then onto the Hollywood freeway, straight into frantic oblivion. Safety. Obscurity. Just another freak. And the freak.
If you would like to voice your opinions in written or vocal form, then please do email the lads at waffleonpodcast at gmail.com and await your views to be aired and then royally torn apart or praised. If you stalk the Internet and hide in such social networks as Facebook, then why not join the group page? It's easy to do. Just type Waffle On Podcast in the search bar, find the page, and join. This has been a Waffle On production. Copyright Simon Meddings and Mark C. Kelly. Be seeing you.